legends and welcome to Unbeatable You, where we connect, thrive and conquer. I'm your host, Brett Robbo, and I'm super grateful for your valuable time. So let's just dive straight in. Keep thriving and enjoy. (laughs) (laughs) You look natural. Thanks. (laughs) All right. We're good to go. Rock and roll. Jamin Heppel, you bloody legend. Welcome back to the show, my man. Robbo, super stoked to be here, mate. I say welcome back, but we have had a name change. Uh, you were one of the first on uh, the show back in 2017 in the initial series. And here we are now with a name change to Unbeatable You. And it, it couldn't match, those philosophies couldn't match your lifestyle better, I reckon. So good, mate. I mean, here we are five years later. The evolution, it's all part of the process. It's so good. And the evolution of our relationship. So five years later, and we met last night for the very first time in person. It's crazy to think that because the amount of times that we've connected over Zoom and dive deep and you've coached in my groups and you know just caught up as friends and the hundreds of voice messages that we've sent each other I feel like we connect all the time but to see each other and to hold each other in that in the flesh last night it was it's super special and even just your energy now like you're actually sitting there without a screen between us smiling at me so good man I mean this is it it's like the it's it's a celebration of technology in a way where like brotherhood can be created in this virtual way but um yeah the truth is nothing quite is there to be celebrated, like being able to get in the flesh and uh, and really affirm the brotherhood in reality. And we are talking about it last night and, and I spoke with Tully about it too, that that ability to connect, really connect straight away when there's a values alignment and that brotherhood, whether there's a screen there or not. So this is amazing, but, oh, sorry, and that ability for us to create that friendship globally is it's something special. And I think there's something to be said for that, of, of that knowingness of the vibe, the values alignment, the beliefs, the paradigms. Absolutely. And, you know, when I sort of look at friendship and brotherhood is, you know, one of the key things I'm looking for is like I love banter. Like I love (laughs) the play. I love the shit talk. Uh, And yet for me, in a way, people need to earn the right to my shit talk. Mm. It's kind of like if you're able to meet me at a depth of emotional intelligence, social intelligence um, and spirit – then I know that you like a vulnerability is going to be welcome and safe inside the dynamic of a uh, of that connection. And if a man is able to demonstrate that, I know that if we can go deep, we can go as high as we want to go. Mm. And so you know, as we were sitting around dinner last night, I was just really present to that. It was like, yeah, each man here uh, has earned the right to my shit talk, which enabled it to be just so rich and fun and um, yeah, and beautifully connected. I love that. And I actually said it to you as we're walking here that that special connection that we had last night with, I met all you guys for the first time and there was that banter and that fun and that depth and that dynamic play between it was awesome. And it made me reflect on relationships where there has been a lot of banter and not the depth and that it wasn't met with emotional intelligence. And I say that without judgment, but just those relationships that I've grown away from over time because it hasn't felt right and doesn't align with who I am and who I want to be it's not that I used to think oh shit maybe I shouldn't be doing banter maybe that's not the right thing to do like it just doesn't sit well with me until I realized oh it's the level of banter that's only surface level that doesn't come with that depth of relationship Mm -hmm. absolutely and again because it's all about you know banter from a place of depth and or when there's been uh, the creation of depth and trust 
in relationship, like real trust, where it's like, yeah, this, you know, if shit's going down, this guy would have my back. Mm-hmm. And, or if I'm struggling, I can trust that I could share this and it will land in a space of non-judgment. That there creates the kind of foundation where when we then move into the light shit talk banter, anything that comes, you know it's coming from a place of pure jest mm-hmm. and pure love. There's nothing threatening. There's nothing um, judgmental or... or, or um, competitive. Competitive or penetrative about the communication. Mm. It's just pure. You know, it's fun. It's high vibe. And that's where it's like when I talk about, yeah, men earning the right to my shit talk, it's like, yeah, show me that you can hold me. Mm. Show me that my vulnerability is safe in your hands. If you prove that, then let's go the full gamut from the bottom to the top and everything in between. But until you've held, until you've demonstrated that you can hold me in my vulnerability and therefore hold your own emotional body in safety. Um, you know, there's work to do and the depth of connection just isn't going to be there in the way that's meaningful to me. And I love when I see guys in workshops or retreats experience that for the first time and realise that that's available to them. And then in the same breath go, oh, but when I leave this environment, it's not available to me. It's like, cool, there's a level of awareness of getting to choose our environments and our communities without judgment against those people that can't hold that space, but just that awareness to what is actually available. Absolutely. And then it's kind of like, well, once we get exposed to that and get in touch with that, well, all of a sudden it's like this kind of depth of relating and connection with other men is possible. Mm. And so then the question then becomes is, okay, well, if that feels something that's going to nourish me and have me become a better man... And the question then becomes, well, how do I cultivate more of this? Mm. How do I be consciously fostering friendships and, um, and a sense of brotherhood in a way that enables me to be more of my full self? Then it just comes down to the individual to be courageous enough to cultivate that for themselves. Speaking of courageous to cultivate things for yourself, you live a life of epic adventure. You've created mountains and marathons business around that and take people on those epic adventures you as an individual though last time i spoke to you in a recorded chat we've had so many unrecorded chats but a recorded chat you were coaching one of my men's groups in the mastermind and you had just completed the guinness world record for the highest uh, obstacle course race wasn't it and that's just kind of one epic experience that you have in on the other side of the world what what's some just pretty out there kind of epic experiences you've had since then yeah well, uh, to bring kind of listeners into the fuller the fuller picture you know i've been living nomadically and traveling the world for the last five years uh including during covid which was quite a that was quite a story in and of itself um but yeah no be, being a part of the guinness world records and the uh, world's highest obstacle course race was that, i mean that was pretty up there the um but the interesting thing to kind of like dovetail off the back of that adventure in tanzania because that was my seventh climb of Mount Kilimanjaro, which um, you know is a core part of uh, Mountains and Marathons and what we do in our business. But um, that climb was with 40 athletes from around the world who were some of whom were ex-special forces from the UK and the US. Some were uh, gold medalists, some were world record holders. One woman holds a world record for the fastest average marathon running a marathon in seven continents in seven days. Like... Um, you know, world champion Spartan athletes. It was just the most, like, inspiring and ridiculous crowd to climb a mountain with. 
And the thing about that, what I got to discover was how, you know, I've ran ultra marathons across Madeira, across the island of Madeira, 85 kilometer ultra marathons, ran across Bali from Levina to Seminyak, um, you know, finished ninth in the um, the Black Hills 50 mile ultra marathon in South Dakota. And, um, the th- and these guys just made all of these like, crazy th- what i thought of like crazy things they just normalized the crap out of it <laughs> just made it seem like a warm-up and so after this um you know after we're like hanging off monkey bars and swinging on ropes in the crater of mount kilimanjaro i was walking down the mountain on the final day because it was a seven-day adventure and i was sharing about my vision of one day like going up and down mount kilimanjaro in one day which it normally takes seven days to do and um, as I was going down, I was I was sharing this with um with one of the other participants, and then and she goes, "Why don't you do it this weekend?" <laughs> and I'm like, "What?" And she's like, "Yeah, like you know, you told me you just did a fifty miler like six weeks ago. You've just spent a week and a half on this mountain. Like you're acclimatized. You've got everything you need. Why why would you wait?" And I'm just like, "Oh." <laughs> And sure enough, by the time I got to the bottom of the mountain, I'd texted a, I'd texted a local guide and said, hey, can you round up a few support crew to help me do this? And dropped back down in the town of Moshi and, and, and dropped into a cafe. And sure enough, three days later, it was 3 a.m. in the morning and I was standing at the bottom of the mountain again, ready to try and tackle the, um, the fight. You know, it's 5,900 metres. Um, actually, 5,985 metres is how tall it is. And, um, yeah, tackled that in one day. It took me 18 and a half hours. It took me 10 hours to get to the top. Um, admittedly, it was one of the most excruciating things I'd ever done, but as I, when, I, when I reflect back on, like, the play-by-play, it was just one of the most incredible experiences of my entire life. How long did you spend at the top? Enough time to eat two Snickers bars. <laughs> And then get the hell down and so you made it within 24 hours. And then get the hell down, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I was doing okay for time, but it just became really fatiguing, particularly when I got to the um, a point. It was, when it, it was when it got dark and slippery on the mm. way down because also you've got to remember just the nature of Kilimanjaro. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a volcano. This thing goes up and it goes down. There's no undulation. There's no, like, let's give the knees a rest and, you know, I'll catch my I'll, – I'll, I'll get some sort of – muscle recovery at the next down or up bit it's like strictly up or strictly down Mm. and so you know spending having spent 10 hours on the climb up and then five hours on the down by the time i hit that there was 13 kilometers to go and it got dark and it got slippery and that was just the most excruciating five and a half hours of my life Mm. the thing about that was though the only way down was to keep going keep going yeah yeah there was no like iron man i'm just going to pull out like I'm, I'm gonna opt out it's like if i opted out the opt out is just to keep moving forwards mm. so i was inevitably going to do it because fortunately i wasn't pushing the limit for 24 hours because that was the visual the main thing was to do it in under 24 hours but i managed to um scramble my way in 18 and a half hours well done and marathon wise i saw that you ran a marathon was it patagonia where there's the the scenery just looked amazing but also it looked and sounded freaking challenging yeah man so as far as the the, the marathon game goes so I, th- I think i've run about 35 marathons in different places around the world of which i think 18 have been official where i kind of got the medal at the end the others have been just training runs in preparation for ultra marathons um 
But yeah, the the marathon in Patagonia earlier or late late last year was, um, I mean, it was an epic challenge because of the, the how much vertical gain, like vertical up and down, is required on that. And so originally I was planning on being a bit competitive, and then it just became about getting to the finish line. Mm. Um, but similarly to like the Patagonia marathon, the Mont Blanc marathon in Chamonix, that's probably my favourite marathon in the world. That one's got. Uh, it's got 2,800 metres of vertical gain in it. It's literally just running up and down mountains for the course of well, up to 10 hours. I think that's the cutoff. I managed to pull it off in six, which was... Six hours for the marathon? For the marathon. At, with those peaks, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, yeah, I mean, it sounds like a really slow time for a marathon, but with that kind of vertical, it was it was, it was a reasonable time. Um, but the, uh, you know, the winner... See, the, my fastest marathon ever has been like three hours, 25. But the winners of this... Mont Blanc race, I did it in six. I think they did it in like three hours and five minutes. Mm. Like these guys are like the elite of the elite. I'm just a hobby. I'm just into it. It's just like a crazy psycho hobby. But, um, you know, the elites, these guys are literally running up and down mountains as fast as I run on the flats. It is out, like faster. Mm. It's outrageous. It's awesome to show what the human potential is as well. I love seeing and hearing things like that. What about personal development journeys that you've – lived nomadic like you said for the last five years uh lived in bali and all around the world what are some either out there or actually i'm going to have two frames to this question what's the most out there personal development journey you've done and what's the most transformational like i'm, I'm talking about if you're not sure about your plant medicine experience breath work whether it's just adventures with groups what have been like the most out there and the most transformational for you personally i think the the answer to those two questions probably lies in the in, in the same program. I mean, I could reference lots of different experiences, but the, the one that really comes to mind, which was very out there, and I think those two in a way can kind of go hand in hand. Like the more out there it is, the more transformative it can, <laughs> it can be. It's like, because really the question is, is like how much of an edge is it pushing up against? Like mm. how much of your current paradigm is being challenged inside of that space and that, that context? And so, um, yeah, the, the, I did a... I did a really profound um, men's only program in uh, Granada in Spain in June 2020 um, to bring in, it was actually a birthday gift to myself. And um, the nature, the intention of this program was to um, challenge the deep-seated and deep-rooted layers of homophobia that exist in a man's psyche based off of our, predominantly based off of our, our cultural and societal conditioning. And so in addition to that, um, depending on how familiar this language will be for your listeners, is um, it was also about maturing our relationship with our inner feminine, which plays off this, this, this paradigm or this concept that in the human body, whether you're in a male body or a female body, we all possess the capacity, uh, we all possess masculine energy and we all possess feminine energy. And where we kind of sit as a, like as a, as a default is kind of like predisposed. So typically a man will find themselves more polarised in the masculine and a woman will find themselves more polarised in the feminine. Um, but sometimes it's not that. Sometimes it's the inverse or any gender which you identify with. But we all kind of defaultly fall somewhere on this spectrum of like extreme masculinity, extreme femininity. Um, and that's our default. And so part of one journey of cultivating greater range and experience of being a human being and stepping into more of our our fullest expression and fullest potential is looking at how can we cultivate range in the opposite side of um of of that continuum and so this program yeah and invited 
a deep excavation of our baseline layers of homophobia and then it also was um, looking at how do we cultivate a deeper relationship with our own inner feminine. Um, and yeah, it was, uh, it was deeply... Um, it was deeply healing. It was deeply revealing. Um, and wild, man. Why was it wild? You'd have to go into full detail, but... Yeah, I mean, there's layers of, like, upholding confidentiality of, like, of, of ceremony and um, and ritual. But, you know, a big part of it is, is like, um, normal, like, normalising how to, like, being with other male bodies and, like, specifically, like, let's say all men are in a space and none of us are wearing clothes. And then it's just like, okay, like, okay, we're naked. It doesn't mean anything Mm. beyond the fact that we're men being here naked. But the invitation, so let's say we're all standing in circle, right, um, naked, and then there's an invitation to, like, look at every man's cock. And so then it's like, okay, like, we'll follow the cue, you know, based on the context and everything that's been created here, it's a safe space and the whole purpose of us being here is to, like, lean into these edges and notice moment by moment by moment what's coming up for us Mm. in our psyche. Like, is it, okay, like, I'm looking at a man's cock and it's like, I shouldn't be doing that. This is weird. Like, what, is this okay? You know, just, like, noticing the thought loops that are going on as engaging in the activity and because every time these thought loops come up that there can be an invitation to go oh where does that come from mm. where does that come from or oh, i'm noticing shame coming up well i'm not wait, okay where's that shame coming from ah, i remember when i was like five years old you now i can even relate to it to a story for myself like you know being five years old and playing around as a kid and putting on my mum's nail polish just like playing mm. and super innocent and um you know and dad come in and said what are you doing like you know, and he started calling me joanne for a week you know, and so it's like all of a sudden anything that's like so nail polish became feminine and feminine for the for a little boy that became bad. Yeah, and so that's the connotation. That's the connotation. You know, so the then there's the, like for you. there's the imprint and there's the programming, and you know, and then there's all like the layers of like men play football, girls play netball. Mm. Um, you know, men wear these clothes, boys wear these clothes, girls wear these clothes, and so all of a sudden we're just kind of like programmed into this idea of what it means to be a man, and associating anything feminine as bad. Or like not, yeah, not what it means to be a man. So then all of a sudden we're shutting off 50% of our um, human innate capacities and expression. And so, um, you know, so circling back, it's like in, the, in those moments, like, okay, I'm engaging this activity inside a, um, an invitation to just have a look at what is showing up for me. Oh, okay, this is uncomfortable. Okay, if that's a little bit uncomfortable, can I just breathe? Okay, can I stay? What does it take to stay here? Breathe. Breathe. What, okay. Drop this story about this meaning that you're gay. Okay. You know you're not gay. So just like let that go. And what if we just like be here and be inside the, and just notice what's going on somatically. Breathe. Be. Everything's cool. All good. And then take the next step from there. And so, I mean, that's an example of like one of the moment, like one of the very baseline exercises. I mean, this is day one. Mm. Right. <laughs> so that in... I did ask for you the wildest one, and I'm sure that that's not something you do regularly as a, as a retreat like that. And in the same breath, how does that make you a better leader? Because you're a leadership coach and you lead some very high uh, – how would I word that? Some You lead other leaders. You're a leader of leaders. You, you lead yourself. How does some, an experience like that make you a better leader? So for me, it's all about – personally – my person, my personal growth, personal expansion is all about 
being being able to be more comfortable in more contexts. And so it's about really finding experiences that stretch me and push my edges and challenge my thinking and challenge my the paradigm that I have cultivated or the beliefs that I've cultivated growing up. I seek, I deliberately seek the most edgy and confronting situations to be able to expand my capacity to be with more. Therefore, when I'm in a coaching setting, in a one-on-one, someone's like divulging the deepest layers of shame that they that they experience and desire to be free from that shame and maybe it's because they've had an affair and um you know and they're, and they're continually punishing themselves for the for, for having done that and still don't know why they did that fully um you know well maybe that someone it's, it's a woman who is in their late 30s early 40s and desires to have a kid but um doesn't yet have a man and so just being at like being able to meet someone inside of that. I'm not saying that I have to have lived all of these experiences, but I just know that the more I'm like pushing my own somatic edges and challenging these beliefs, it enables me to be able to cultivate a degree of, um, just to be able to be a deeper, more loving and safe presence for anyone who's in front of me sharing whatever's alive for them to be welcome and to be permitted so we can then actually excavate any of the density that they're holding around stuff to then ultimately liberate the psyche, liberate the emotional body, and then give people access to deeper levels of, of peace and inner freedom. So if we park your experience, the out there one that you were just sharing and uh, what you went through, and then if we invite the the thought around doing deeper work and expanding and us pushing our edges is a great way to experience what you just said and to develop our leadership and we're all leaders whether it doesn't matter if we're an employee we're a self-leader and we're a leader in some capacity and mothers that take time off work are incredible leaders in that environment where we're leaders in our businesses we're leaders in our communities we're leaders in our families so there's there's different levels of leadership and i believe that we can always uh, expand in that kind of way what two-part question here is it vital for leaders to do a range of different personal development experiences to push those edges to actually live to to embody their greatest potential in their leadership roles do you believe i mean yeah i'm a, I'm a huge advocate of that i mean anything that's gonna um from my standpoint anything that's going to support us cultivating deeper levels of compassion and deeper levels of of, of, um, of self-love and patience for oneself is going to be able to support any individual to be a better leader. Why? Because we're going to be able to show it with deeper levels of patience, deeper levels of empathy, deeper levels of compassion for anybody who's in front of us. So if we're stretching and looking at the layers of where we hold judgment and projections against others or push up against those edges of where we uh, lack patience, Without, with ourselves or with other people, all of this gets to exist as an invitation of where there's more work to be done. And so finding these experiences and a range of different experiences is going to be continually like shed, like looking at and shedding these layers of our own um, nervous system and our own psychology that can get in the way from deeper levels of love and compassion which from my standpoint is exactly what's required in order to be able to bring out the best in others. If others feel safe in our presence, if others feel like whatever's going on for them is welcome, then we've got the capacity to like, okay, put any like personal challenge to the side because it's safely held 
to then have people be able to tap into their genius. Whereas if people don't feel safe, if they don't feel seen, if they don't feel like what's going on for them is welcome, like there's always, there's, there's a suppression, there's a repression, there's shut down. And so hence why I'm such a big proponent of like, yeah, not just the diversity of these experiences that, that um, leaders um, should be or could be putting themselves into to, to stretch their edges and explore their own psychology and their own somatic body is, um, is also deliberately cultivating the skills of a coach. You know, like the kind of work that we do. It's, it's like this, this, this skill set is transferable into any layer of life or business, be that, you know, in the, whether it's leadership in the family, just simply being able to sit and be and hold a non-judgmental space for somebody. Like that, that, that in itself can be just so healing and so transformative for anybody. And if that's done in the professional workplace, it's like it's just amazing what kind of relationships can be cultivated when we're willing to, to sit with somebody and simply just hold what's alive and what's present. And then if we've got skills and tools or resources to be able to guide them to, fantastic. You know, otherwise it might be handing, uh, sending them into a, the, the loving hands of a professional. But, like, that from my standpoint is, is like, the future of, of, of leadership and being able to create more loving communities, more loving families, more loving businesses. Um, and I know this might sound kind of fairy, but holy shit, like, when we're able to actually do this level of, um, of work where we can tackle our own inner shame and our own inner judgment and the guilt that we carry and know the processes and tools to be able to, to release that and let that go. We get to live with so much more levity, creativity, um, empathy and compassion and really call forth the best in others. You know. So what I'm hearing you say is that desire to be a greater leader and more influential and more creative and really stepping into that is a byproduct of coming like in clearing the shit doing the deeper work doing the deeper work absolutely absolutely like inside mountains marathons you know we have a a a a very a very simple but effective curriculum and process we guide anybody through clarity clearing creation and it's all in service to people living in their inside deepest alignment inside the, the the deepest level of congruency with their truth clarity clearing creation clarity who am i and who do i want to be what am I out to create in the world? Like just really getting that down, getting that clear. Then we move into clearing. Clearing, this is clearing the shit. Like anything that is in the way, beliefs-wise, emotionally, unresolved past challenges, family dynamics, we want to go to work on all of that because these are the things that are ultimately going to be getting in the way of whatever it is we're committed to being in the world. Like whoever it is that we're actually here to be, all of that programming, all of the unresolved stuff from the past, that's the shit that gets in the way of us actually having access to living into our fullest potential. So we want to clear that work, which, you know, a lot of that will happen inside of a diverse range of experiences or leaning in with an edgy coach or whatever it is. And then the third part is creation. And so then creation is really looking at the, um, the energetics and pragmatics of living and fully embodying this possibility that we've created inside of Clarity. And so, you know, that when I talk about energetics, that's a big part there is around how do we cultivate the somatic body, the emotional body, the nervous system to be able to receive how good life can be, how good life can get. Because once we've cleared, all of a sudden we become a vessel of, of like, like whatever's in our deepest alignment is going to synchronistically begin to show up more and more inside our lived experience. And I've got so many examples of this from the last five years, but... When we, yeah, when we become this clear vessel, this clear channel, life keeps giving. And so then the practice then becomes is how much can we then 
receive. So that's the energetic side of it. And then pragmatically, it's like then it's just getting really clear. Okay, well, what are the what are the what are the habits and the rituals and the rhythms, daily, weekly, monthly, quarterly, annually, that's going to be consistently setting me up for pragmatically moving towards the person I'm really inspired to be and what I'm out to create in the world. Brilliant. So much alignment, and we know this from being connected over the last five years through um, processes and. It just reminds me that working with humans is, you know, some commonalities around that, like the clearing aspect. Without clearing, we can't create and conquer. So we can create the image, but we can't create the reality of that without that clearing. Mm. Can you give me a practical example? Say if people are listening to this and they're like, oh, I kind of get what you're saying uh, and I'm just a chippy or I kind of get what you're saying and um, I'm, I run a plumbing business or... Uh, something like that, and they've just they've given themselves that label on that. But I want to be a better leader. How would it play out in the life of someone like that? Let's say a father of a tradie company. Yeah, nice. I think um, you know. Let's well, first and foremost, my, the first place to start would be like taking the time to really consider who do I want to be and what do I want to create in the world. Like to start with clarity, just as like right like, as a possibility, as a vi- like you know, putting aside what current reality looks like or who you think you are. Like take a minute notepad and pen, close, like put on some epic inspiring music, like emo- emotionally inducing music that doesn't have any lyrics and then just like sit for 30 minutes and allow your mind and your spirit to wander and get in touch with what might be possible. Not possible as far as like how do I get there, but just like what really sets your heart on fire, what feels expansive and then write that down and then my invitation there is to like spend time with that get more and more clear on it because the more clear we are on that founding vision of like who we want to be and the more that's like ingrained in our psyche, the more we're looking out for where we're being that and where we're not being that on the day-to-day. So that would be like the first pragmatic step is actually like taking the time to write down the found like the foundation of the vision. Then as far as like a, a first pragmatic step on the clearing side of things. Now clear, here's the thing. Clearing is not easy. Clearing is not, it's not fun. It's not fun. It's the bit like where we really have to have humility and be willing to have our depth of courage override our level of fear because this is the bit where we kind of go through some ego death. Mm. And, you know, and really if we're just going to look like a baseline or like a baseline distinction to support anybody in discovering what it, what it, what it means and what it looks like to live into our full potential is the distinction of integrity. And if we look at it, like the way that we define integrity, I, I source this from um, Landmark Education, which I think it's really it's a really beautiful um, baseline of personal development work. Is um, integrity is honouring our word and clearing it up when we don't. Mm. Like I make a promise to you, I fulfil on that. That that works, you know. And we foster trust. If I don't follow through on that, that breaks down trust. And then there's something to clear and be responsible for. So then the question is, is how willing am I able to be responsible for when I don't follow through on my word? Because as human beings, we inevitably won't follow through on our word with some things. And so most humans aren't willing to take that de- like to take responsibility for the impact of when we don't follow through on what we say we're going to do. In addition to that, if we look at it as far as like giving my word to myself, when I say I'm going to do something for me and I do it, I would consider that to be a profound act of self-love. And one that fosters trust and one that fosters confidence. One that improves our mental health and our overall sense of well-being. When I make a commitment to myself and I don't follow through on that, 
Well, it diminishes all of those things. It makes me smaller. It makes me less trusting in myself, increases my anxiety and less uh, desiring to take on greater levels of responsibility. Can you give me an example of when that happens in your life? Like now? Hmm. Or has happened? Yeah, I mean, the classic example would be like fitness and nutrition. It's like as soon as things get a bit stressful, like I've got a commitment to like honouring my body as a temple, right? And then there are so like when things get a bit hectic in my world, like good nutrition is like the first thing to go. Mm. And so, you know, and then I'll get to the end of the day and I won't feel like I won't feel my most fullest and empowered self because I, I'll have like, you know, just not had a good day on the diet front. And so inside of that, it's like, yeah, I lose trust in myself when I, when I have days like that. And so then the question becomes, okay, well, how am I going to restore this for myself? But then the part, then the part here is, is about making, not, not making integrity moral, right, where it's like good, bad, right, wrong, where there's like judgment associated mm. with Because it. it's pretty easy to get to the end of a day and I've had shit nutrition when I've got a commitment to myself for like honouring, you know, honouring good nutrition and I don't. It's pretty easy to be like, shame on you, Jamin. You know, you're idiot, you idiot, you're hopeless, like you know you should know better mm. you can have all of that kind of narrative going on which is very moral like there's right wrong good bad versus just being able to be like okay shit day of nutrition that's not what i'm committed to okay how am i going to respond from this place cool i'm going to make take a moment right now just to have a look at what i'm setting myself up for tomorrow and looking at what it's going to take to have a good day of nutrition tomorrow do the thing set yourself up execute Drop like, the judgment. Just just drop the judgment. You know, notice how just notice how clean that is. Mm. Right? Or it's even like you know, even just another example is like, you know, I think a good one with integrity is always like people's relationship with time. You know, it's like we say we're gonna meet at three PM and cool, if both people arrive like at three PM or just before, that works. Okay, but you know, let's say someone's gonna be a couple of minutes late or five minutes late. The honourable thing to do would be to be in communication and up front and be like, hey, I'm going to be a couple of minutes late. And so then the agreement has shifted. It might still have an impact, but at least the agreement has shifted. So then we can be somewhat responsible. But it's when people, you know, say three o'clock and they roll in at ten past and then walk into the room and just do the old like, sorry, I'm late, mm. and then sit down. It's like no responsibility's been no, – there's been no responsibility for the impact of being late. And, like, the impact is multi-layered on this front. I know it's, like, simple because we're talking about time, but if we really want to get real about it, you know, potential impact of, like, being 10 minutes late is, like, let's say you've been late before. Now there's a pattern. And so anyone in that room is now going to be relating to that person as a late person, right? Um, that's an impact. The other impact is whatever, like, 10 minutes late into the meeting, it's like we're not going to be able to be as productive or as effective. We're not going to have the same level of, like, energetic enthusiasm towards what we're doing because there's been a disruption to our start time like you know there's all these kind of these like energetic layers of impact and so you know often people come in just like hey so i'm late sit down and then like let's get on with it but like a profound way to like clear that and 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 be come back into integrity would be to walk in the room and be like hey guys sorry i'm late um regardless of why i'm late i just want to acknowledge that this doesn't really work and it's gotten in the way of you know 10 minutes of our creative energy um and it's also not, I'm just not committed to being a late person. So I'm sorry. Is there anything that anyone else wants to say? No? Cool. Alrighty, moving forward, I'll make sure that I set myself up so I'm not going to be late next time. Boom. Let's sit down. 
and then get on with it. And with patterning too, I ask the question when I hear things like that, there's the time example, it's anything, and you say, where else is that showing up in your life? So it might not necessarily be that you're, oh, I'm always late to things, but you're just not committed to the process. So where else is that showing up in your life? Oh, yeah, I, I thought I was going to follow through with those nutrition goals, but I just haven't fully committed to that, haven't fully committed to the relationship agreements or whatever it might be. So it's not just about, oh, I'm a late person. It's like I'm not committed to the process. Bingo. I've got to be careful saying that too because I'm often late because I'm like, I'll squeeze everything I can and then I'm like optimistic it's going to take nine and a half minutes but it took ten and a half. And <laughs> it's good. So it's, it's good because then it's about noticing your patterns. Mm. Like you notice your pattern and you're like, ah, okay, I've got, a predisposition, I've got a predisposition for doing that. So then it's like, okay, what are the system structures, habits that I need to put in place to mitigate the likelihood of me doing that? You know, um, even for me just around time, like there was a chat, there was, a, there was like throughout most of my 20s, my, my family would like literally – be like Jamin starts at uh, lunch starts at one o'clock when it actually starts at two. <laughs> so you're there on time. So I'm there on time, right? And so they related to me as a super late person. And so then there was a point when I actually got in touch with the impact of my being lateness that I made a wholehearted commitment, or when I actually got in touch with integrity and what it what like how powerful it is to be a man of our word or to be a person of our word. And really looking at what does that actually take, that was when I was like, okay, I'm committing myself to being an on-time person and then getting and then confronting whatever layers exist inside of my conditioning or the paradigms that I've created to discover what it takes to actually be an on-time person. If we park time on this, I think a common example might be when people commit and say, yes, yep, I can do that for you, I'll get that to you, I can do that for you, I can get that to you. Oh, sorry, I just didn't get around to you. Oh, sorry. And that pattern, I think, shows up a lot with people too. So, you know, that awareness of, well, where else is that showing up or why, what's beneath that pattern? Is that because you're a yes person or is that because, you know, there's, there's something beneath that of you um, having a fear to actually say to people, no, I can't do that. Oh, I'm sorry, I, I'd love to do that for you and I can't at the moment. Absolutely. Again, it's a beautiful experiment. Is like what, like having a look at what we actually commit ourselves to, and then noticing if you have a propensity to say yes and overcommit, and then noticing the impact of that and the impact of like the not follow through. It's a profound, it's simple, but a very profound thing for someone to, to go through because you might discover you're a super people, super people pleaser, or you might already know that, but you haven't done anything about it. But if we're actually willing to have a look at what it means to be a person of our word and have integrity, we, the kinds of transformation that's available as far as our mental health, as far as our level of leadership like capabilities, as far as the depth of responsibility we're willing to take on, like the more we're able to relate to our per, ourselves as a, as a person of our word and have the capacity to clear it up when we don't, like it develops a deep level of trust with self and with others. And so now if we circle it back to the, the, the journey of like clarity and clearing, you know, inside of clarity, that vision from my standpoint is a declaration of who we're committed to being. It's like I've got my word in that. Mm. And so then inside of clearing, it's like, okay, well, anything that's not congruent with that, mm. we want to be having a look at because this is who I declare myself to be. And so as a man of my word, I'm going to go to work on anything that isn't that. And so I'm going to be looking at all of my layers of insecurities, I'll be looking at where, um, you know, and even just another simple exercise that people can do is like write down what I call a dead weight list. So a dead weight list is um, writing down everything that you can recall that is an unfinished, incomplete project 
or assignment where the due date has already passed. And so this could be like having been meaning to clean up the garage for the last 12 months. You know, right. it could have been been meaning to take my, you know, it might have been a commitment to someone else. It might just be a commitment to yourself. Been meaning to take my partner on a date. Um, you know, been meaning to go and have a kick of the footy with my kids. But like you'd made a commitment at some point and if you haven't cleared it up, shifted the agreement or actually done it, it would be considered, you know, dead, dead weight. weight. And so if we look at dead weight, like I, it's like spiritual dead weight. This is the psychological barrage, baggage that we just carry around and that lives as stress inside the body. And so we don't have, there's, there's like, we either relate to ourselves as just people that are just like chaotic and haven't got our shit together and that's just who I am and how I am. And so we just use that as a bit of a bypass excuse. Um, or we just become people who aren't willing to take on greater levels, take on more things and become kind of sheepish and small in life because we're already carrying this level of anxiety that exists in our system wow. because of all this incomplete shit. So like one of the first things in the Aligned Leadership Program with Mountains and Marathons is we like get people to write out the dead weight list. And we're like, guys, this is a six-month program. You've got six months to clean this list up. Mm. If you need support, let us know. Otherwise, by the time we meet in Tanzania and climb Mount Kilimanjaro or Everest Base Camp or Outback Australia Marathon, whatever we're doing, by the time we meet for that retreat, make sure that list is done because we mm. don't want you carrying any of that dead weight up the mountain oh, or carrying it on the, along the marathon. Love that. What are some of the most common dead weight uh, examples that you see? Oh, mate, it's like clean the garage. It's like um, yeah, finish the finish the the house landscaping. It's the um, um, I owe Robbo a thousand bucks, you know, but he said pay me back like sometime in the next twelve months. But there's no like actual agreement around it. It's um, it's the the breathwork course that you bought and committed to doing but never got finished. It's like um. Uh, it's organising the, 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 the dinner with your brother and sister that, you know, you promised that you'd do at Christmas time but didn't get around to. You know, it's like... it's like Yeah, the, so even things like, we should catch up again. Yeah, let's do that. Let's do that. Yeah, why don't... Let's, like, let's commit to that. Let's make a time. Let's do that. And so then all of a sudden, that's on the back of your mind or the front of your mind at different times and that becomes dead weight. And then there's the big things like the unfinished projects, like you said, and then there would be the emotional connections of expanding the quality time with your partner or your kids or your self-care. Absolutely. And, you know, I think the, um, the, the the good example you gave just then too is just like the flip end, hey, yeah, let's make sure we catch up like sometime. Well, then we, you know, we might write that down, but then one of the questions that we'll, that we'll invite our members to consider is like, how committed are you to that? Like, is it actually important? Mm. Or do you just want to, or you just want to let it go? Yeah, because you don't have to honour it just because you said it. No, you can create a new agreement. Yeah. But it's not about being flippant with the new agreement. It's really tuning in, yeah. going, is this important to me? And then it's like, like yes, like something in my being will feel incomplete if that's not done. Mm. And so then that's the litmus test for like, yep, do we follow through? Do, like, do, we, do we then like set up the structures to make sure that happens? Or do we just go, yeah, I said I'd catch up with that person like six months ago and it still sits there on the to-do list. It, I'm going to let that one go. Mm. So we can kind of give ourselves a bit of grace because otherwise yeah, we're going to have a like, we're going to have a, we're going to have a. The list would be just massive. The list is just a mile deep, you know. It's not the point. That's right. It's not the point. It's about really tuning into what are the, what are the incomplete things that actually hold gravity 
and exist as like spiritual dead weight mm. and then tackle like tack, completing that list is one of the most fulfilling experiences that it, it's like it's spiritually liberating because you know oneself to be in integrity it's like being out of debt you know there's a freedom that comes mm. with that and therefore a willingness to take on greater levels of responsibility i've done this process without knowing that i've done this process and at the same time, I'm creating this dead weight list in my mind right now. So thank you because I've got these things and I'm like, I'm actually excited about it because you've allowed me to identify because this is what I know to be true is that we carry this energy with us without even knowing. And this is part of that clearing process. Like where is your energy blockages physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually? Mm-hmm. So thank you for identifying that. I'm going to create my dead weight list and we're going to knock it over before... Uh, for the middle of the year with some of the big things on there. Do but it, mate. Now, you've given your word to that. So exactly. Uh, <laughs> and that's why I don't say that lightly because yeah. some of the shit on the, my dead weight list is big. Yeah. And the longer I leave it there, the bigger it gets. The yeah. heavier it gets. The heavier, denser it is. Exactly. I've got some adventures coming up and I don't want to carry that dead weight with me. Oh, awesome. And I awesome. like what you said there about creating the new agreement and it kind of like flipping back to what you're saying there about integrity too. So we, we make our word and we commit to certain things so to live in integrity and then sometimes it doesn't happen for whatever reason we don't follow through with that Mm. so we take that radical responsibility we acknowledge that Mm. and we shift through that as Mm. opposed to because that then can be something that becomes a dead weight right totally so the dead weight list can actually be dissolved as we shift through those experiences absolutely which you know i think it plays into a really important piece of like any like one of the key skill sets that people need to be able to cultivate to do this work very powerfully is about having um, a not relating into it as moral like right or wrong like i'm a bad person because i didn't Mm. follow through or i'm a good person because i followed through it's actually like you know integrity or honoring our word it's it's just like it's just black or white it just is what it is Mm. it's reality i'm late or i'm early like i i i i followed through I, I i was at the dinner or i wasn't you know i caught up with my kids or i didn't mm. i paid the money back or i didn't it's like let's just get let's just get in touch with reality about it and not make it dramatic about it being good bad right or wrong mm. so that's like and that's a massive paradigm shift for a lot of people is just simply being able to engage with it from a place of reality the second place then is then being able to cultivate compassion for oneself so it's like i didn't follow through on the thing and then being able to be both looking at, okay, where wasn't I responsible for like following through on the thing? And concurrently, can I have compassion for the fact that I am a human being? I'm not a robot and I'm not always going to get it right. Acceptance. And, 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 and that's right. And so then ultimately if we look at it, it's like compassion, acceptance, forgiveness. Okay, forgiveness, not as a cop-out, but forgiveness from a place of like, okay, I feel complete with the fact that I didn't follow through on that. Mm. And now I'm coming back to my word and recommitting. And that, like, that as a, as, a, as a spiritual process of being able to continually come back to nothing, continually come back to nothing, supports us to then always be creating from a neutral, clear playing ground and not a whole bunch of like guilt or shame laden on top of one another. You know, as you were speaking earlier, like so many people kind of step into the personal development space and get into the whole like positive thinking realm of, or, or, or just like, you know, moving into like everything's all love and light. And it's like, well, my relationship with that, a mentor of mine once said, he said, that's like putting icing on a piece of shit. It like, it looks good and it smells good, but underneath it's just nothing. 
And that's where, you know, if we talk about like real clearing, that's the deeper work that actually creates a strong backbone for them people to be able to dance in life and navigate navigate the storm because, you know, we've done that deep inner clearing work to be able to like ride it when it gets tough, but then also continually come back to being in the mode of creator when we're not riding a storm. What are some of the most common storms that leaders are navigating and riding when they start to work with you in the Mountains and Marathons program or in in one-on-one? Because you work with a range of different leaders and, you know, we talked about leadership before and and your your purpose of leadership. What are some of the common storms, the common challenges that most leaders face? And maybe they don't know that it's common. Yeah, man, it's... um it's it's super common and it's uh, relationships with self with others with others i mean relationship with self that's an endless like that that that's an endless journey of um of, of unfolding ebbs and flows but relationship with others and particularly uh family mm. yeah family dynamics is the one consistently you know because yeah i'm working with these high performing leaders and we're talking about leaders in a in a, in a corporate environment, a corporate workplace, or a, um, you know the, the the founder CEOs of of big startup companies, but it's the human stuff. It's the yeah, it's the disconnect from mum and dad. It's the I haven't spoken to my brother in five years. It's the um, kids aren't talking to me. Mm. It's the best friend that I haven't you know that, that that we've got like there's 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 tension between the relationship with me and my old best friend. It's those things, and so this is like again next kind of we look at dead weight then the next thing we look at is relationship clearing and looking at okay where is there something in the space where i have inhibited freedom where i have inhibited self-expression with certain individuals and then we want to look at each of those relationships and then what's at the source of whatever's in the space and then be in a process of clearing that so that we can ultimately be powerful and have full self-expression and freedom no matter which person is standing in front of us Mm. And hence why family is always the big one because there are so many people that can be powerful in so many range of contexts but then put them in front of their dad and then all of a sudden they become a little boy again. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. And so this work though, I definitely, I mean, it's a worthy inquiry within oneself but it is the kind of thing that's helpful to have professional guidance to support with that process of, of becoming clear within oneself and then discerning if it's appropriate to be in a clearing conversation and then developing the skill set of being effective in a clearing conversation so that we're ultimately we're able to, you know, work through things with people in a, in a non-violent communica- communicatory way so that we ultimately get the result of respect and love that we're all seeking. Um, I think yeah, it's helpful to have professional guidance around that, but, you know, even for each individual who's tuning in here, it's a meaningful inquiry looking at where, like, who are the individuals in my life where there is, like, when I, when I close my eyes and I feel into the energy of, Frustration, resentment, drama, guilt, shame, lies, withheld truth, any of these layers, who shows up in my field? And like often it'll be family, often it'll be close friends, sometimes it'll be work colleagues. And like it's interesting to look at if we think again, like just the concept of dead weight, of like like dense energy that we carry when there is a lack of freedom in these relationships, that gets in the way of us being our fullest, most loving, expressed self. And so what I see, where I see like the biggest challenges that people face, it's in these domains and yet who people get to become on the other side of that is profoundly liberated and in touch with like not just the, 
the sensation of that liberation, but also the skill set that's required to be someone who's willing to like do the inner work and look at why is there so much resistance here? Like why is there so much drama here? Not from a place of like if they change, then mm. my life will change, but going where am I responsible for the, for, for the tension or the breakdown here? What can I be accountable to? And then being able to really hold that mirror up and come to a place where we can go, okay, like I am, if I'm creator, I'm creator of my, every layer of my, the entirety of my life experience. Where am I responsible for the quality of this relationship? And then if we're able and willing to do that work, well, ultimately then it creates the space for all new kinds of possibilities to emerge inside that friendship or, or relationship because we're like, there's enough humility there to go, hey, like I don't need you to change. But here's what I want to be responsible for. Like, here's what I can be responsible for, the dis- for the dissonance that's between us right now. And, yeah, I've seen some, yeah, over the years, just seen some some absolutely profound breakthroughs of, you know, members not having spoken with mum for 10 years and getting back in contact and sitting down for three hours and going the full gamut and yeah. creating all new kinds of possibilities for the future of their relationship or, yeah, kids that um, are disconnected and, and, and dad, you know, dad through persistently being willing to take responsibility for every layer of where he might have fucked up in his fatherhood and, you know, he's being projected upon by his kids and being willing to actually own that and take responsibility for it and creating a safe space for them to share openly about it. Like, these are the kinds of skills and ways of being that, from my standpoint, transform leadership. But, you know, in this case, like, leadership inside family. And, um, yeah, it's profound. So great. And the connection between, I was talking with Tully about this, the... Uh the quality of life and the extension of longevity of a quality life through uh, like connected relationships. Mm. So having great human relationships is directly correlated to having a greater quality of life. And so it makes sense that that's kind of dead weight when those when we're holding on to or carrying in some sort of way that disconnect in those relationships. So again, understand it's not just about, oh, with mum and then thriving and it's so beautiful – how does that add to your vitality as a human being? And then how do you carry that vitality into your other relationships, into your business, into all areas of your life? 100%. And like just speaking to everybody, if you're able to deal with your family stuff, if you can navigate your family stuff and heal family stuff, you can heal anything. Because mm-hmm. that's the deeper, like that, the family's as deep as it gets, you know. Like that's all the mum and dad, all all the layers of mum and dad, and where they weren't the best parents, and where they, you know, you know, abused me, or where they, you know, abandoned me, or you know, if you're able to really go to work on that stuff and come to a place of forgiveness with mum and dad and brothers, um, and and other family members, like, and 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 be really willing to feel it and be in those kinds of conversations, it um that that has people grow up and mature very very fast, and therefore be so much more dynamic in all the other relationships in life. How much of your work in mountains and marathons or your individual coaching, does it just completely blow people away? How often do you get this feedback of, oh, shit, I wasn't expecting this? When they come in to improve their leadership and there's the big shiny run a marathon or climb a mountain and then you take them through this kind of journey. Yeah, yeah, like nearly everybody. Nearly everybody. Like we have that. (laughs) (laughs) Like we have that, you know, and the thing is we've, we've never had somebody quit. We've had people run away for a month. Mm. But we've never had anybody quit because the truth is is like when when people are in it it's like they know as confronting as it may be they know it's medicine mm. 
they know like deep down like even their psyche their 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 ego is like get the fuck out of here this is like this is way too hard way too confronting mm. eject abort i'm out which is just some form of childhood programming mm. of like how it's a survival mechanism yeah. to get away from the pain but deep down like everyone knows that this is the medicine for their soul and so you know and obviously we'll be a stand for them as well because we know that and so welcome them back graciously lovingly compassionately and now get your bass back in shape and get back to work <laughs> in similar kind of context and looking at evolution how what are some recent belief systems that you've shifted in the last let's say couple of years or a few years yeah if we're really going to go there it would be my relationship with spirit yeah like I grew up atheist and um you know no and I've never really yeah I've never I've never engaged with this idea of like there is a god um but when I made a commitment 6 years ago to live in deep alignment you know and that was the point when you know we were first in the podcast and talking about um you know, the, the man cave and the evolution of, of the creation of mountains and marathons, like that was the point in time where it was just like a wholehearted, unquestionably deep commitment to like living in my deepest truth and my deepest alignment. And, um, you know, just being on a lifelong commitment to that. And, um, and noticing that the more I stepped into the work of clearing in particular, you know, having deep clarity on what an aligned life would be for me, but, but, um, you're leaning more and more headfirst into the work of clearing and healing and um, and 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 dissolving disempowering paradigms. I just started to notice just crazy synchronicities that would play out in my life. You know, like even um, I remember one moment. You know, me and Jenny, my business partner, we were um, the business was struggling a little. We were actually like it was early days, and we hardly had any out of any traction no one knew who we were our marketing we still didn't cracked our marketing yet and um, we we're really struggling to sell spots for the two oceans marathon aligned leadership program in cape town south africa and um we're in mendoza one of your favorite places oh, I love where mendoza you grow the malbec i know yeah, this yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um yeah we flew from mendoza to uh, buenos aires in argentina on our way to germany because we needed free accommodation at jenny's parents place because we were so low on cash flow and um anyhow so we'd made the call to make this move as we'd been living in this beautiful place for like a month doing a house sit again like trying to save money but the internet there was so bad that we weren't able to i wasn't able to sustain a, an enrollment conversation for like I remember this I, we had a call with you in that place yes that's yeah. right it was probably the patchiest podcast you've ever recorded <laughs> no it was a um <laughs> it was a, just a chat it wasn't a, a recording so oh, okay. yeah good. it was forgiven probably good <laughs> <laughs> and then um and then yeah i'm on this like two-hour flight from Mendoza to Buenos Aires and there was a woman sitting next to me wearing this hat and reading this book and I knew she spoke English because the book was English but we didn't have any engagement and then we made a transfer from the one of the Buenos Aires airport to the other one to then catch our international flight over to Germany and anyway so when we got to this other airport I rolled into this like French patisserie joint and Jen and I wanted to get some work done so we plugged in the, the computers and then two hours later we we're ready to leave to go and catch our flight and the charger was next to this woman and she looked familiar. I was like, I think that was the woman who was sitting next to me on the plane. And so I just said, hey, um, would you mind grabbing my charger there? And she grabs it. And 
I said, thanks. And uh, I said, what are you up to? And she said, oh, you know, I've just been on a, on a four-week kind of um, soul-searching sabbatical around South America and um, I'm, uh, I'm just heading back home to San Francisco. And I'm like, cool. And she's like, what do you do? And then Jen stood up and gave the 30-second elevator pitch of, you know, we run this program and you run a marathon. And she's like, oh, my God, I think this is exactly what I'm looking for. Um, can I have a card? And so sure enough, like gave her a card. And then by the time we landed in Germany, she'd already made an inquiry. And within three hours of me landing in Germany at like midnight, I jumped on an, on a sales call and this woman was our first person to register and sign up. And, you know, I just look at that and, and just like, you just couldn't script mm. the becoming of that, you know, and then it turns out she was a, um, a director at Uber. And so the kinds of network, like the connections that that relationship then opened up and referrals and whatnot, it just, it, it was like a gateway into part of the evolution and creation of, of mountains and marathons and the caliber and the kinds of leaders who we get to work with. And I just look at it just like, well, sure, like from an atheist standpoint, you can just look at like this plus this plus this plus this equals this. You know, we could map it back. But there are just so many moments of like, you know, even just another example is like, so Jenny and I went through a really um, a really beautiful and powerful and challenging journey of um, separating romantically two and a half years ago. We're in Bali during covid which is a, that, that, that in itself was another crazy synchronicity because Bali was one of the most like abundant places in the world to be during COVID. But, um, you know, Jenny and I had been through months and months and months of like determining what the future of our relationship would be. And then at one point Jenny got clear and she walked in, walked into the villa and she said to me, she said, Jamin, um, I need more from you. And I said, Jen, I get it. It's a bold request and I get it, but I can't give you that. And so then in that moment, um, you know, and there's obviously a lot of backstory as to like why I couldn't give, um, give her that, but we both acknowledged in that moment that we'd be separating. And what was interesting up until that point was how deeply aligned my life had felt in every area of my life except my romantic relationship. Mm. And so, you know, after we, you know, we, we held one another and cried for 15 to 20 minutes in one another's arms and then made the, the, the transition of her living in a different villa and... Um, and whatnot, but I just remember in that, like the following days, I was like, "Whoa!" Now that this layer of my life has been like cleared, what's coming? You know, what 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 is this created space for mm. that the universe hasn't been able to give me? Dead weight, right? With Dead that. weight, big time. Exactly, exactly. And so from this place, um, you know, Jenny and I then got back together a couple of days later and, and tuned in. To determine the future of the business and that was when we both shared our vision and I said look I'm committed to um you know I've got the vision of us being best friends and business partners and I don't I think what we've created here is remarkable and we don't need to let this go but that that takes two and then Jen said I've been thinking exactly the same thing and so from there we were like we looked at each other and we we're like all right well what does it look like to have the most inspiring separation the world has ever seen that was like the vision that we created anyway fast forward three weeks we're having our conscious uncoupling retreat. We're at our favourite cafe in Bali and we're sitting down, these two little kids start mucking around with us and um, a woman comes over and says, hey, sorry about my kids. And she goes, oh, what are you, what are you doing? And we didn't give her the full story. We're just like having breakfast at our favourite cafe. And then she, um, she goes, oh, um, uh, my name's Eri. What's your name? And I said, my name's Jamin. She goes, say it again. I was like, my name's Jamin. She's like, no, one more time. And I'm like, my name is Jamin. And then this guy on the other side of the room stands up and he goes, I'm Jamin. And it was the first time I'd ever met another Jamin. This guy, author, speaker, coach, profound leader, father, um, 
we got connected and then within a week he was my coach and then he introduced me the entire world like the entire eclectic world of bali and my entire community opened up and so i just look at i just look at even layers of that like jenny and i choosing to separate just happened to be at this cafe happened to meet my next mentor who i co-journeyed with for the next six months who opened up whole new layers of my world and my personal growth and development yeah it's like my relationship with spirit it's like it's a co-creation it's like there is a creator i'm a creator and we are in partnership and whether it's fate or there's a divine path that's already been laid out i can't say that for certain but i'm trusting the breadcrumbs and i notice that the more that i choose to clear and then take the actions that feel most um, congruent and most expansive in my system uh, and light me up the most the universe is consistently giving me signs that you're on the right path yeah i'm hearing you and i'm feeling you and we've had recent experiences actually in a similar deeper context with different external kind of context but that saying i actually said to my gorgeous wife just recently when we'd been moving through a lot of shit we've been nudged out of alignment a bit and we hadn't done as much clearing and then we, all of a sudden we had the opportunity to do that and just said just remember like we trust the process and when we live in alignment we attract amazing people and amazing opportunities and that's kind of the surface level an easy way for people to relate to that with the depth of what you just brought to it i think absolutely i mean principally get be clear like do the work to be clear and so you so as, as we become an energetic vessel for light for like what the universe actually wants to give us to show up otherwise there's just too much stuff in the space that 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 you know the, the whatever whatever is actually here for us we get in the way like it'll get in the way of that mm. and so fast forwarding that experience of the conscious uncoupling of your romantic relationship but maintaining the strong business relationship where is mountains and marathons now as we wrap up and we tie a bow in this amazing chat that we could actually sit in for for many many hours but where's where is mountains and marathons at now and its evolution uh for for people listening and think Sounds awesome. Take me on that journey. Yeah, I mean, if people are if people are going, sounds awesome. Like ready to clear my shit. <laughs> Some people are going, whoa, <laughs> oh, that's, that's right, I've man. I've seen too much. And that's and like and I mean that's also part of it too. Is it's just like it's about you know it's about there is something for everybody as far as being able to meet you where you're at uh, and what you're willing to lean into. And yeah, the fact is the the aligned leadership program it's intense, mm. um, and but it's also why we get the results that we get. Um, because it goes, yeah, we, we, we don't hold back. Mm. And so, um, you know, as far as like, yeah, where Mountains and Marathons is at now, I think the, the, the growth and expansion of me and Jenny as individuals um, and as a team is reflective of kind of the growth of, of Mountains and Marathons. Um, and so where we're at now, I think we've run up to our 15th edition of the Aligned Leadership Program across the course of the last five years. Um, yeah, having run programs in Mount Kilimanjaro in Tanzania and, um, Mount Everest Base Camp in Nepal and Cape Town, South Africa, Honolulu, San Francisco, Patagonia, Chamonix in France, Bahamas. Yeah, some really, really incredible places. We even ran our first level two program called Masterpiece in Iceland um, late last year. So things, just, just the nature of the adventure and exploration just continues to um, open up in really meaningful ways. And so yeah, this year where we're at is um, it's an exciting stage of, 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 of growth and invitation for new leaders to, to join our community. Um, so we're uh, in the process, of, in the lead up to our 
Outback Australia Marathon Align Leadership Program. Brilliant. When's that happening? And so this one, it kicks off on the 24th, 25th of January. Uh, January, 24th, 25th of February. Uh, so next month. And um, it will be ran. The actual marathon itself is in late July of this year. Mm. So that'll be the six-month journey. And then the one after that is... Um, Mount Kilimanjaro, which goes from May until October of this year. Brilliant. And the, I don't need to ask the question of what people can expect because I think we've exposed plenty of that, but where can people find out more information? Where can they follow the journey and get curious and, and inquire about what Mountains and Marathons entails? Yeah, nice. So, I or guess even for your personal coaching. Yeah, yeah, sure. So I think across the, the, the classic socials, so if we're talking about Mountains and Marathons, you'll get us on Instagram at Mountains and Marathons. Follow us on Facebook. You can even join our Living Aligned um, free community Facebook group, which is a place where you can get more in touch with me and Jen where we're constantly offering uh, five-minute nuggets of, um, of leadership and useful distinctions for being able to navigate a, a more aligned life. Um, so we welcome anyone into the, the Living Aligned Facebook group. And then for me personally, yeah, Instagram at Jamin Heppel, Facebook, Jamin Heppel. Uh, and then the website for all of it is um, mountainsandmarathons.world. Brilliant. We'll link all that up in the show notes too. So as we do wrap up, as I said, we could have spoken for many, many hours. I feel like we scraped the surface and uh, also got deep at the same time. But is there anything that you would like to, to leave the listeners with? Any words of wisdom to help them live their unbeatable life? Yeah, I think the key thing is is if you are experiencing any sense of stuckness or trappedness, um, there is a way, like there is a way to a more expansive and a freer experience of being alive. And um, even if that may just seem conceptual, there is a way. And my invitation for people to start with is, is like start with clarity. Start with what you actually want. And then the next step is then beginning your own journey, be that with Mountains and Marathons, Robbo, or um, you know, Unbeatable You, or somebody else to support you in the journey of clearing. As um, That's when we really start to get in touch with deeper truth and, and create meaningful transformation in our life. Beautiful. Jamin, you're a legend. I want to acknowledge you for your deep-seated trust and belief in yourself and then the way that you let that ripple into not just the work that you do, but the being that you are and the energy that you bring. I'm inspired by not just the awesome, eclectic, nomadic lifestyle you live, but your genuine authenticity and your integrity and the way that you show up and what you bring to the table consistently. Consistently is a word that shows up with that. So thank you and keep shining your abundant light to the world, my man. Mm, thanks for seeing me, Robbo. Yeah, appreciate you, man. You do good work, brother. And um, and also present to the depth of courage that you constantly channel and access to do to do what you do and be who you be. You know, and I witness like the relationship that you've cultivated with your wife and who you show up as father and then how you lead business and all of the layers, you know, that ain't fucking easy, man. And I just see you I see you leading the way and I see you leading with vulnerability, not shying away from the from the stuff that needs clearing because as like as we both know like the juices the juices like the integration on the other side of that and i just see you as someone who consistently is willing to be in the mess to get the gold and then continue to grow and be the leader that you're here to be yeah i love you man love you right back and i super appreciate that thank you my man mm. boom boom <laughs> 
There you go. Another empowering episode and thanks again for tuning in. Make sure you check out the show notes for any extra links or information that we spoke about in this episode. Don't forget you can now catch the Unbeatable You podcast on the YouTube channel, Brett Robbo Coach. If you want info and inspiration straight into your inbox on how to live an unbeatable life, you can sign up to receive weekly insights and actionable steps for optimal performance and thriving in every aspect of your life, plus first release offers on Unbeatable You courses and live events. Don't worry, there's no spam, just short, punchy, value-giving emails straight to you. Simply go to brettrobbo.com forward slash community. If you find value in this podcast, don't forget to share it around with your mates and subscribe, rate, and review. It really supports the podcast mission massively. If you want to reach out to me personally, you can connect with me at at Brett Robbo Coach on social media, and that's where you can let me know who you want to hear on the show. Keep thriving, legends, and as always, remember, if not you, then who? If not now, then when? This is your opportunity to live your unbeatable life.